0: Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center, located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew continues in the Bible series on the book of Acts with part two of this message entitled, How to Become a Christian. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Acts chapter two. Now, here's our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. Help us, O Lord, to think carefully. Help us to understand reality as it is disclosed to us graciously in your infallible word that you are living and true infinite God, eternal God, personal God, holy God, all-wise God, omnipotent God, sovereign Lord of the universe and we are sinners. Help us, O Lord, then to understand our true condition. Help us to understand the gospel. Help us to cry out and say, What must I do to be saved? So speak to us, O God. Your people here. Your holy word, powerful word, enlightening word. Word that gives us peace and comfort. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 2, verse 38 and 39. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Recently I read an article in the Wall Street Journal by Digby Anderson, who is the director of the London-based think tank called Social Affairs Unit. He is also co-editor of a book called Faking It, The Sentimentalization of Modern Society. This man analyzes the Western culture especially and sees the society in which we live as sentimental society. And he says in the article that sentimentality is not just feeling, it is false feeling. Feelings without commitment Feelings displayed for show in government that becomes gesture politics. He says in the article the sentimentalist regards children as innocents, offers them opportunities to fulfill themselves indulges them in play, and is never judgmental. Again, sentimentality runs away from reality. The reality of children's nature, which has a capacity for evil, and needs judgment and discipline the article he says in modern society, even religion is frantic to adjust reality to appearance and indulgence. In this case, it must adjust the ultimate reality, God, to a human image. We feel comfortable with. He is not to be judgmental or set moral standards that are inconvenient for us. He is not to be described by immutable doctrines of truth but to be infinitely and variably malleable into our own image his job we must remind him is to be supportive to us and when religion is emptied of doctrine tradition and discipline all that remains is cozy feeling If sentimentality creates a fake world with the fake churches containing no religion and fake schools containing no education, then no wonder our politicians produce fake policies. Does this tide of sentimentality matter, he asks. Yes, because it is essentially escapist. It involves the substitution of appearance for reality. Of wishes for facts. Of self-indulgence for restraint. And of victimhood for personal responsibility. And in the Old Testament... In the book of Jeremiah we read this we read about false prophets and Jeremiah says concerning false prophets in Jeremiah 6:14 and 8:11 they dress up the wound of my people as though it were not serious peace peace they say when there is no peace. Saint Peter preached the real gospel. And Saint Peter said. You committed the most horrible sin. You murdered. You crucified. The one whom God made both Lord and Christ. The Bible says such authentic prophecy of St. Peter cut through the hearts of people and they cried out, what must we do? May God help us to declare not fake gospel not false prophecies. Help us to declare the truth. Help us to bring people to reality. Help us to deliver them from their delusion of sentimentality, cozy feeling, their escapism, their phony religion. Let us preach the gospel. And may God's Holy Spirit cause the sword of the Spirit to cut through human hearts that they feel the pain and weight of guilt and sin and they cry out and say, what must we do? And then we tell them the real solution. As I said, we don't give them a cure Legalism, or moralism, or ritualism, or sentimentality—will tell them repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins. Where there is true repentance there is true solution offered by this God who said through Isaiah, Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, says your God. And he himself, through his Son, offers us real, authentic, and everlasting comfort. No man can comfort us God must comfort us and he is ready to comfort us. There is hope for you. There is hope for you who is cut through by the sharp edges of the two-edged sword of the word of God. This Jesus whom you murdered, rejected, we tell them, he in mercy freely pardons all sinners who repents. But the question is, how can anyone repent? Repentance, what is it? The Geneva Bible tells us what repentance is. Repentance means changing one's mind. So that one's views... Values, goals, and ways are changed. And one's whole life is lived differently. Mind and judgment, will and affections, behavior and lifestyle, motives and plans, all are involved. Repenting means starting to live a new life. Mr. Confession speaks this way that in repenting a sinner out of the sight and sense not only of the anger but also the filthiness and odiousness of his sins as contrary to the holy nature and righteous law of God and upon the apprehension of his mercy in Christ to such as are penitent so grieves for And hates his sins. As to turn from them all unto God. Purposing and endeavoring to walk with him. In all the ways of his commandments. Son if you dishonored your mother. When you repent you will honor your mother. Son if you disobeyed your mother. When you repent you will. Obey your mother. That's repentance. I don't believe in fake baptism, fake repentance, fake faith. It is time that we asked ourselves, what is repentance? Feelings of remorse, self-reproach, and sorrow for sin generated by fear of punishment without any wish or resolve to forsake sinning, should not be confused with repentance. Study the life of David as expressed in Psalm 51. And study the life of the prodigal son as expressed in Luke 15. Then you will understand what repentance is. The one who truly repented has forsaken his sins and is thinking God's thoughts, willing God's will, doing God's purposes with earnestness and great delight and zeal and joy. That's repentance change of mind and emotion and will to think God's thoughts feel the way God feels will the way of God but the question is my mind is blinded second Corinthians 4 God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers that can they cannot understand the gospel. And so you see, let me tell you, God has to open our minds. Isn't that true? Because without regeneration, without God's Holy Spirit working upon us, we cannot understand anything. We cannot repent. Paul says this, Second Corinthians 4, and verse 4, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. So that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. You preach to them, you tell them, you set forth, you placard the gospel before them. But they cannot understand. They think they are great and they are brilliant. They are philosophers. They think they know and that you are nothing, you don't understand anything, they say. But in truth, they have been blinded by the God of this age. And they are incapable of understanding the gospel. But 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6 says, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, in Genesis 1 verse 1, Made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. There has been an internal enlightenment. The light is turned on. We see. Ananias came and prayed for Saul of Tarsus who was blinded. He said, Brother Saul, receive sight. Hallelujah. And he received sight. Praise be to God. Salvation from the beginning to end is God's gracious task. And he enlightens us. Yes. My mind is blinded, my will is enslaved to Satan and is in bondage. How can I turn around and go in the direction of God? I cannot repent. God must help me to do this. Yes, God helps. So Peter says Meta no esate. Repent ye. In the Irish tense it means repent speedily, repent completely. Let there be complete and immediate renunciation of sin. Satan, the world, and do so with godly sorrow. Get out quickly from Sodom as the angels demanded of Lot. Do not linger any longer. You are in serious danger. Repent. John the Baptist demanded repentance. Jesus Christ demanded repentance. Peter demands repentance here. Paul, later on in the book of Acts, we notice he demands the same God commands all people everywhere to repent. And if you don't, this same Jesus whom he raised from the dead is coming again to judge the stubborn and the rebellious. That there be radical change of mind and purpose and plan and direction and heart and desire and emotion. That there be a repudiation of the sentimentalism and fake life. And come to reality as prodigal son, he came to himself, he was insane before. But all of a sudden, he began to see reality that he was the sinner. And the father was all right. Or like that son, father said, go to the vineyard and work. He said, no. But then he changed his mind and he went and he worked. That's repentance. Let me tell you, repentance is not nothing. It brings about a revolution. In your thinking, in your acting, in your willing, in your purpose. Let us not have phony repentance and phony baptism and phony faith and phony everything else. Keeping up with the cultural decay that is all around us, as Dick B. Anderson tells us. You who crucified him now in repentance, crown him. Kiss his feet. Think his thoughts. Agree with him. Bow down before him. Worship him. Delightfully do his will. Before you nailed him at, at his feet, now kiss his feet and worship him. And Let me tell you, this repentance is essential for salvation. Jesus required his apostles to go about to preach repentance and forgiveness of sins in his name. And let me tell you there is no forgiveness of sins without repentance. I heard a great evangelist saying that he forgives so and so. Well, did so and so say to you that he sinned and did he repent? No, 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 no. Then what right do you have to go around offering forgiveness? Now let me tell you, no man receives forgiveness of sins without authentic repentance. Repentance is a gift from God. And you read in Acts chapter 5, 31, Acts 11, verse 18. It's, 2 Timothy chapter 2, and you read it and you find it is a gift from God. Yes, regeneration is a gift. Isn't that true? And faith and repentance are themselves fruits of regeneration. That is the biblical reformed faith. It's a gift. And let me tell you, if you have been regenerated, then there will be repentance and there will be authentic faith. And when you are granted this amazing supernatural gift of repentance, you will turn from idols to serve the true and living God. And you will turn from sin to godliness and righteousness. You will turn from serving Satan to serving the Savior. You will turn from the world and its hideous philosophies to the kingdom of God. Where is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And you will turn from darkness. And you will come into the marvelous light of the gospel. And you will do so immediately, completely... We will hate sin and we forsake sin. And may God help us not to embrace anything that is fake. May God help us to receive that which is authentic and real because it is appointed for man once to die and then comes the judgment. The fakism of the world shall never assist us on that day like the prodigal son will get up and get out of the far country and go home to the father. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 20, we are told, let's turn to it, and let's see what St. Paul says in terms of repentance. Acts 26 and verse 20. And here he tells us, first to those in Damascus, and then to those in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and to the Gentiles. I preached that they, Jews and Gentiles, big and small, that they should repent and turn to God and prove their repentance by their deeds. And Luke tells us in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 3, the people came for baptism. And he said, oh, this is all right, but you must produce fruit of repentance. And the people asked, what should we do? And he said, if you have two tunics, then you give one to those who need it. In other words, fruit of repentance is love and concern for the community and for the poor. The tax collectors came. What should we do? The tax collector agrees to Rome on a contract that you will deliver such money for a particular city. But then, of course, he is free to charge more than the tax obligation he agreed to pay to Rome. So he charges more and more and more. And he said, don't do that. Be righteous, in other words. Charge what is reasonable. Soldiers came, what should we do? He said, don't shake people down. Be satisfied with your salary. Righteousness, in other words, is the fruit of repentance. And when we say we repented and we will not bring forth fruit of repentance, let us understand it was fake, it was inauthentic, it had nothing to do with the Holy Spirit of God son I want you to know that daughter I want you to know that husband I want you to know that wife I want you to know that when there is real repentance there will be fruit and the fruit is doing that which is righteous repentance is necessary for a person to become Christian more than that he needs to have faith 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 And let's turn to Acts chapter 2 and let's find out this. Verse 41 those who accepted his message, those who accepted his message, those who received and welcomed the message. That's speaking about faith. And faith has three aspects there is knowledge of the gospel. Faith is not blind to something. It is not leap in the dark. It is faith based on the gospel. So, faith first has knowledge. You must preach the gospel. And faith, the second element of faith is agreement. You agree with what is preached. That you agree that Jesus Christ is God and Savior and Lord. Sovereign Lord of the universe. He is the judge. You must agree with that. You must agree that you have sinned against him. You must agree with that. A senses, agreement. There is knowledge and there is agreement. But let me tell you, it's not yet faith. Faith finally has the third and the most vital step, which makes it saving faith. And what is that? It is an entrustment of your entire self to Jesus Christ. It is commitment to Christ. My whole self, I came to Christ. From this day forward, I become his disciple. I follow him. And without that, it is called dead faith by James. And let us be very clear about it. If we are not trusting in Jesus and bringing forth fruit of our faith, faith without works is what? Let's call that, that's dead faith. You agreed with uh, the gospel and we baptized you and all that, but that doesn't make you an authentic Christian. The only way I know or anybody knows that you are a Christian, is what you have entrusted yourself to Christ. Fides est fiducia. You trusted in Him now and forever. And you are zealous to know the will of Him whom you trusted. Where there is repentance, genuine repentance, there is genuine faith. I said, repentance is laying down, sin, faith is laying hold of Christ. The mother of all doctrine is union with Christ. I'm the vine, you are the branches vitally related to Christ, now and forever. Repentance is laying down, sin and faith is laying hold of Christ. It is trust in Jesus Christ based on the knowledge of the gospel. And we do not generate within us this faith. It is also a free gift of God. My hope is built on nothing else. But Jesus Christ and his righteousness. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this not from your souls. For it is the gift of God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ. Not only to believe on him. But let's understand. It is granted as a gift for you to believe on him. But not only to believe but to suffer also. But Philippians 1 verse 29 also tells us what? It is gift. It is a charisma from God. This saving faith in other words. Repentance and faith are two wings by which a believer flies to the heavenlies. Away from the world while they live in the world. Isn't that interesting? So we read in Acts chapter 2 and verse 41. If you look at it, those who received his word. Welcomed his word. They are baptized. Receiving the word involves... Faith in the gospel. Faith in Jesus of Nazareth who is Lord and Christ. This faith in Christ is vital relationship with Christ. Vital. It is commitment to Christ. The Philippian jailer cried out in the middle of the night. What must I do to be saved? And listen to the answer of Saint Paul. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Trust in him, rest in him, depend on him, lean on to him, now and forever. And in the hour of your death, trust in him with all your heart and with all your mind, with all your might and affections. Follow him all your life. Trust him with all your burdens, now and forever otherwise it is dead faith without good works living faith and saving faith and vital faith is that which issues in good works of obedience and not only that you must be baptized baptized god is not interested in secret disciples you read john chapter 9 there we read in verse 22 the authorities decided to kick everybody out from their community who acknowledge Jesus Christ. And you become a Christian, you'll be kicked out. Out of the world. If you are a real authentic Christian, you'll be kicked out. And you want to get out too. But Lord John says that about this verse that Jesus came to send a sword. That separates father who doesn't believe from the son who believes. There is a separation. Baptism in water is the sign and seal of your repentance toward God and your trust in Jesus Christ. When you are baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit, what you are saying is this, that you have come under the direction and control of the triune God. And you are also saying that you have united with the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You are declaring that you have separated yourselves from the world and Satan. And you have united with Jesus Christ. That's what you are saying when you are baptized. You should be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Unlike John's baptism. And unlike proselyte baptism, Christian baptism is in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is on the basis of one's confession. Jesus Christ is Lord. And which you confess at the time of baptism. As we read in Acts chapter 22 verse 16. Ananias says wash your sins away calling upon the Lord. The baptizer also invokes that name upon you. James chapter 2 and verse 7 tells that. The name of the Lord invoked upon you. And you confess that same name. That's why you are a Christian. God's name is put on you. You are not your own. You've been bought with a prize. The blood of Jesus Christ. And we live out this confession all of our life. And baptism is the sign and seal of this great inward reality of salvation. Baptism does not regenerate. And as I said last time, may I say many are baptized today, but few have been regenerated. When you were baptized, you said Jesus Christ is Lord. And if it is so, then you must live that confession. You think his thoughts, you will his will, you desire his desire, and you do so earnestly. Number seven, they were added to the church. Remember, St. Peter said, be saved from this crooked generation. They were in the midst of crooked generation, part of the crooked, twisted, perverted generation. Sinners under the wrath of God. What? instantly, they were saved. They are taken out of that crooked generation and added to the church. Moved out of Sodom. The world is evil, perverse, wicked, twisted. I hope you understand that. I just told you. Digby Anderson, he understands culture. He analyzed it. He studied it. That's his job, to study the culture. And he gave us the gist of his study. Faking it. Faking it in the family. Faking it at workplace. Faking it in government. Faking it in the church. Faking it. Indulged human beings, you cannot tell them repent. You see, they don't like that. Let's take out repentance. Take out sin. Take out guilt. Take out wrath of God. Take out judgment. And we get a little cozy feeling. Religion. That's why St. Peter said it's a twisted generation. Save yourselves from the twisted generation. Wicked generation. Adulterous generation. Rebellious generation. Get out of the world in other words. The world is organized in opposition to the true and living God. Since the fall, it is warped and twisted. It is under God's judgment. Be removed from this world of judgment. The flood is coming. The fire is coming. Get into the ark of God's kingdom. The God of this world is Satan. The people of this world obey him and oppose God. Get out! So be saved from this wicked generation that rejected and crucified Christ. But let me tell you, all did not believe, all did not repent, all did not receive conviction. But those who welcomed the word, 3,000 dead, instantly they were saved forever. Isn't that amazing? In one moment, they were in the world. In another moment, they were in the kingdom of God. They were dead in one moment. Next moment, they are alive. They were old creation in one moment, they became new creation in the next moment. They were enemies of God in one moment, children of God in the next moment. They were without God in one moment. They were with God in the next moment. They were without hope in one moment. They are with hope in the next moment. They were outside in one moment. They are inside in the next moment. They were starving before, they were feasting, now they were naked before. They were clothed with the righteousness of Christ. This is salvation they were darkness before now they are light in the Lord they thought gospel was foolishness and a stumbling block now they believe it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone who believes they murdered Jesus before now they worship him let me tell you Christianity is not as Martin Lloyd-Jones said it's not old life improved or varnished it is a new creation of God we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works if anyone is in Christ Jesus, kine new creation is your repentance fake is your faith fake? Is your baptism fake? Is your profession fake? Then I would say you are fit to live in the culture which is analyzed by Anderson. Is your marriage fake? It's all plastic. It is all fake. We should ask the question, am I a fake Am I a fake? Because one day we are going to die. And then comes a judgment. And I want you to ask God to help you to be authentic. Not synthetic. Authentic. May God grant us regeneration. Authentic repentance. Authentic faith. Faith authentic life, authentic hope, something worth living for. Have I forsaken sin once and forever? Or am I still laying my head upon the bosom of Delilah? If so soon the eyes will be gouged out, the God of this world has blinded. Ask God, God, Ask God to help you, to see the gospel clearly. Ask God to give you a knowledge of the gospel, the pearl of great price. And once your eyes are open to see it, you will forsake all things and obtain this. Are you still outside? See, feasting is inside, not outside. But you see, God invites you. Come in through the door, Jesus Christ. And I counsel you, forsake all the fakeness and phoniness. And from this day forward, I don't want to be a fake anymore. Heavenly Father, we pray that you help all of us. To forsake inauthenticity. Forsake this stupid, degenerate, cultural phoniness. Help us, O Lord, to be authentic people of God. Help us to know the greatest thing in the whole world is to be translated into the kingdom of his dear son. To be forgiven of all sins, past, present, future, clothed with righteousness that shines like the dawn. We praise you and thank you, Lord, for this great salvation. Amen. You have been listening to part two on How to Become a Christian. Come back soon for more transforming Bible teaching from Pastor P.G. Matthew.